You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 14, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Everyone, this is your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for returning to the Paradox. If you're a new listener, thank you, friend who sent you this way. Or if you stumbled upon me, please make sure you subscribe in whatever media player you use, whether that's Stitcher or the Apple iPhone or Google Play, whatever you tend to use. The price for the show is free, so there's nothing to lose. Uh, thank you again for coming because I think you, you're going to be in for quite a treat today. We have a really interesting discussion with a new startup. We've delved quite a bit into sort of the problems of medicine, this delivery, um, a lot of the issues that physicians deal with, and we're going to sort of encompass all those today, but we're going to specifically focus on a broader issue. And so instead of looking at the trees today, we're going to look more at the forest. And I'm talking today to Brennan Hodge, who's the CEO of a new startup called Citizen Health. Brennan's not a doctor, so I'll violate one of my rules for paradox. In fact, it's probably the only rule I really have. Uh, but... What he has today to discuss, I think you'll find fascinating. Uh, it's one that took me quite some time to figure out. But what he's looking to do with his startup, again called Citizen Health, is to transform the way healthcare is delivered in this country, although he has aspirations for maybe moving it to elsewhere. Uh, he certainly had interest from other countries. But basically, to remove the intermediaries that exist within healthcare. So right now, if you want to get care from a hospital or a physician or someone else, a pharmacy, you have to have middle people between you, right? You either have government payers, you have insurance companies, you have group purchasing organizations, you have pharmacy benefit managers, you have people who are preventing you from getting what you want when you want. And so today, Mr. Hodge is looking to erase all that and have a direct exchange between the patient and the, the physician or the services that they're getting. He's looking to do this a number of ways, but primarily it's to create a new medium of exchange, which includes a cryptocurrency, includes a blockchain, and ways for moving money around or resources or tokens, I guess you'd say, I guess as a currency, in order to purchase these product, products. Uh, it makes it more efficient. Uh, it's sort of like using dollars, and initially the plan is to use dollars, as you'll find on the interview, but it's to completely change the way we move things around and, and get access to things. And it rewards patients for doing the right thing, it makes it a much more seamless process for everyone involved. Now, obviously, you need a lot of people who are involved in this system, and so they're going to scale this project out. But they're getting close to launching. I think you'll find it really interesting. Um, I've learned quite a bit. I think there's a lot more I need to learn. I sometimes feel too old to understand this stuff. I mean, I just joking at the dinner table last night with my kids that, you know, I when I started my practice in 2004 in private practice, there was really no, I mean, there was an internet, but it was nothing like it is now. I mean, groups didn't have internet internet pages, you know. And so to try and find a group to get a job, you had to look in journals and, you know, know somebody who knew somebody. And now it's very different. You just do a Google search. Well, Google was not really even a 
thing. It's I don't think in 2004. Not much of one. I may still remember the AOL. But anyway, it so technology moving so fast that it's hard for someone like me who I don't feel that old. But you know, I guess you ask my kids, they disagree with you, me. But anyway. Uh, it's hard to keep up with this sort of the changes and, and the innovation that's possible and the disruption that can happen in the market. So Hodge is looking to really totally transform things, completely change the way we do things in order to make things better, cheaper, more efficient, and improve the patient-physician relationship by primarily driving with the physicians in this process. And so for that reason, I think it's a really good discussion. I think you'll learn a lot. Uh, you know, whether you invest or not, I mean, that's something totally different. That's not the point of the show. But the hope is that we're going to relook at the way we do healthcare. As always, I encourage you to go to subscribe to the show and to go to my Patreon page where you can support the production and the promotion of the show. I've got some patrons there. There's a little bit extra bonus content. I'll add more as more patrons arrive. And it's a great way to support the show. And it's a great way to provide encouragement to me, which I appreciate. Uh, just to know that people value the show as much as I do. I put a lot of work in the show. Obviously, it's a labor of love, but I hope it's provided a lot of value to you in the knowledge and what's going on and maybe getting some new ideas and hearing some interesting voices in medicine, which I think is always important. The added benefit, of course, is to be the smartest person in your block and at your family reunion when it comes to time to discuss things like why are there shortages of medications or why is physician suicide such a problem? Or in this case, what if we transform the entire healthcare economy into a blockchain and a cryptocurrency. How would that look? Well, today we're going to find out. So enjoy the discussion with Brennan Hodge. I think you will. Today's episode is brought to you by Blossom, book one of the Burning series by Katherine Larson, sold exclusively for Kindle on Amazon. Do you have a tween child who enjoys the Warrior series books? You know, the ones with cats on the front? If so, you need to have your kid check out this book. They will follow Robin Paw as she progresses from a kit to an adult cat trying to figure out if her clan is paradise or something different. It's available at Amazon for only $3.99 and also available on the Kindle Reader. Just search Blossom Catherine Larson, or you can find the link at the show notes page at theparadox.com. So hey, everybody, this is Eric Larson speaking with Brendan Hodge, who is the CEO of Citizen Health, which is a new startup uh, based on uh, a new way of delivering medical care. And uh, today I'm going to violate my rule again. So I know it's the paradox, but we only have one doc on because I don't believe doc- Mr. Hodge here is a doctor. But since he's running a, he's run a company that's going to manage a lot of medicine stuff, I'm going to give myself a pass because I'm allowed to do that sort of thing. So thanks so much for joining me, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Eric. Uh, I had someone reach out to me from your organization a couple months ago, I guess, right when I started the podcast. And I'd been publishing a few pieces on uh, direct primary care. And he said, oh, you should check us out. And I looked into it. And, and so you're with Citizen Health. It's a new startup. And I think the best thing to do is for me to step, out the, step aside for a little bit and just let you kind of go into what this is. Because I'm in medicine. I'm not in finance. I'm not in sort of this uh, technology, uh, any sort of an expert in, in technology. So why don't you go ahead and just give me the elevator pitch of what Citizen Health is, and then we'll try and work from there to sort of how it affects physicians and patients. Sure, sure. Uh, Citizen Health is a very large and ambitious project. Uh, at a core, what we're trying to do is connect patients to doctors without insurance. <laughs> it's uh, easier said than done, but let me oh. back up a little bit, and I kind of want to give some context on why we started this and the, some of the insight that I gained in my previous company. And that previous company was Pharmedio. It was a pharmaceutical sales and reporting and analytical suite of products for pharmacies. And we, we dealt with a lot of specialty pharmacies and compounding pharmacies and uh, pharmacy benefit managers across the country. And you may be familiar with the, the whole compounding fraud that was going on uh, between 2012 to 2016. Vaguely. <laughs> well, we provided the software for a lot of that. <laughs> Didn't quite understand that there was a fraud going on till it was about too late. And oh. it was probably about middle of 2015, I realized that something was going on. Uh, I mean, we had their, their database records of, of billing insurance, how much they billed for, the actual drug cost. Uh, I was privy to a lot of information a lot of people don't see as far as working with pharmacy benefit managers and their whole operations with sales forces across the country. Uh, but to sum it all up, I, was, I watched one sales rep, a pharmaceutical sales rep, make $500,000 a day in commission. What? Uh, 
Oh yeah, it was this sales rep made twenty three million dollars in the course of three months uh, on commission. Are they and, in a small box right now, or are they still still walking free? They, uh, matter of fact, you can Google compounding scheme or something right now. The the dominoes are falling. They spent the past two years building cases against these people, uh, and they indicted I think about six hundred people in the past month across the country. So it took them a while to get the case built, but uh, the people are going to jail and they're going to be sitting in this small box for a long time. Wow. And it, it just so happens that I think the epicenter was right here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where I'm at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, they were the, I'm, I'm going to say the ringleaders. They were the, the big money guys in this whole operation. And they, let me see, one couple, if they are, found guilty on all, all charges, faced 295 years. <laughs> they, they did a lot, a lot of problems. But, you know, I saw, I saw a different world of insurance. That's what it comes down to is when I did realize that these people are gaming the insurance companies. I mean, that is their main focus. And I, I, I sat there and I, I flew on their private jets and went all around the country with them. And they did not care about the patient whatsoever. And every conversation, it was all about, how can we get these drugs for the cheapest price? And how can we bill insurance for the maximum reimbursement amount? Uh, and after about three or four months of learning that, uh, I just had a sick feeling in my stomach. I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, so I, we started to pivot the company um, going instead of enabling the problem, trying to fix the problem. Um, but before that happened, the FBI shut down, a, raided and shut down a lot of our clients. So they kind of made it my mind for me. I had to, I had to pivot quickly. So I wound up um, shutting that down slash selling it in 2016. And I spent all of 2016 uh, and all of 2017 researching healthcare, just every single touch point in it um, and where all the problems were. And I kept coming back to how we pay for healthcare. Um, mm -hmm. Having this intermediary, this large industry we put in between the patients and the doctors. Uh, and you start breaking it down and start thinking of, what are they actually solving? You know, what does the insurance company do as a service? Do they provide a good service as a product? Are they a good product? Uh, and the answer to a lot of those questions are no. So um, with that, that in mind and with what, we, what I gained uh, from the knowledge of my previous company, I uh, decided to start rebuilding healthcare uh, by putting the patient and the doctor and the caregivers at the center of it and redesigning everything around that. Uh, and there's some new technologies out there that, that allow us to do things differently, to create new business models. So taking all that together, we are, where we are trying to rebuild healthcare um, the way it should be, and way one that works for for you and for the patient, for me and my, my family, and not necessarily for the the shareholders of the the system. So that's kind of a a backstory of how we got here. Um, moving forward, we have a, a lot of things in the works. Um, but I'm going to sum it up really just uh, three main products that we are developing and not necessarily products, more like platforms. Uh, one is called Humantiv, and that is uh, eventually it's going to be a collaborative operating system uh, that is designed to, to optimize the health and wellness of populations, specifically for a, a unique person. Um, eventually, this is going to be we have a vision of a shared blockchain for doctors and patients to collaborate together, kind of like in a shared medical record, if you will. Uh, it's going to start off pretty basic. I say basic. We've been building this for a while, but it's going to start off as a simple app that you download and you can connect your wearables of choice, uh, a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, uh, a Withings, blood pressure monitor. You go on down the list. You've got about 30 things you can connect to. Uh, import all your health data. You can also import your EHR records. Um, 23andMe, your genetic data, and we are um, trying to quantify your health. We're trying to give people a health score, kind of like a credit score. Um, we're calling this a proof of, proof of health algorithm we've been working on. At a high level, what we're doing is trying to connect all these different data points and quantify your health, and by knowing what your health score is, uh, you can improve it based on hitting, going, uh, pursuing certain goals, such as getting 10,000 steps a day, you know, getting better sleep, taking the stairs versus elevator. And with that, we reward our users with cryptocurrency. So uh, we can, that's maybe a different conversation, but we can get into cryptocurrency and what that is. Um, but we're essentially paying people to do healthy things. And that has been known to work. So it's, a, it's kind of a fun app starting off just to, to get people motivated to go, go and walk and paying them to do so. And with those earnings, with this Medit, this cryptocurrency, uh, they will be able to 
purchase uh, health and wellness services on our marketplace called Metaplex. And this is our second foundational development. And what this is, is an open and transparent marketplace where healthcare buyers and sellers, such as um, me as a healthcare buyer, I have a need, I'm trying to purchase a healthcare service um, and go to the, the healthcare sellers, you know, doctors and surgery centers, ones that are selling a, a, a solution to somebody's need and have them transact directly in a free market economy without having insurance in the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. Really game changing stuff. Um, and tying all that together, we're, we're um, rolling out health as a service, still trying to come up with a better name for that. Um, but these are personalized subscriptions for health and wellness based on your genetics and based on your health score. So we're really trying to look at the proactive side of health and not the reactive side of medicine, focus on getting people back to their health and improving their health. So tying those three together, uh, it might not sound like too much, but that is what we believe to be the answer for our messed up healthcare system now. Yeah, so I'm actually impressed that within uh, a year you could figure out all the things that are wrong with healthcare and, and and narrow it down. But I think you're right, and you know when when uh, we talk about throughout every episode I've had so far, barring maybe one or two, really, you had, and ultimately come down to a lot of the problems stem from the fact that that there is this intermediary between the patient and the physician in the deliverance of the healthcare, and uh, whether that's the pharmacy benefit managers, whether that's an insurance company. But essentially, you don't have the normal transaction you do with most things in, your, in the economy. I mean, I go to the grocery store and I buy my steak. I don't have another person buy it for me. And so then I'm a much, uh, I'm a different type of shopper. I'm more discerning as far as, far as what I get. I'm more uh, responsible for what I can afford. And the, uh, the store is obviously more responsive to, to my needs as well. And so they're much more conscious of price and things like that. And so by removing that, that third-party payer, you're obviously, I mean, that is, I think, the crux of, the, of most of the problems we have in healthcare. I mean, they in many ways stem from that. And so you're right to identify that, I think, for sure. So in looking over your stuff, I mean, I guess I'm not sure the best way to go and tackle this, but it seems like ultimately what you want to do is you want to remove the, the use of insurance for the deliverance of healthcare or for, for the necessity for actually getting any sort of care, either from med, a medication standpoint or surgical or hospitalization. Is that is that pretty accurate yeah that's correct okay and so so now you have a direct direct transaction but the the wrinkle in this i feel like that is somewhat confusing to me but i i'm slowly sort of understanding it now but the the wrinkle is that we're not purchasing this directly with dollars right and so so what you're using is you can you can in way use using a cryptocurrency some um a secure online re uh currency that can be checked by multiple parties, which is the whole point of the blockchain, right? Uh, but that um, that patients have control over, and it's, like I said, it can be checked, but that people are using this sort of as a platform for the exchange of, for the purchasing of products and services and things like that. You can obviously use dollars and convert it to this cryptocurrency to then purchase products, but that's essentially what you're, that's sort of the other little wrinkles that is that right as well? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a point that hangs up a lot of people. And just the introduction of a cryptocurrency in general uh, kind of scares people because yeah. you think, okay, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. I heard about this black market thing, buying drugs yeah. online. That's what everybody thinks. Uh, but I've been following Bitcoin since it launched in uh, it was 2009, 2010, and a sickening story here. I tried to buy $500 worth when it was when it crossed the two penny barrier. Oh my. Uh, it was working now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a sketchy situation. I had to wire some some guy some money through Western Union. Not wire, but send it through Western Union. And I just didn't do it. And I watched it go up to eight cents and forty cents. So I thought I missed the boat, but I've been following ever since. And you know, cryptocurrency, what cryptocurrencies are, it's you just think of it as the next evolution of money. Uh, we started with hundreds of thousands of years ago with trading trinkets, uh, seashells, you know, bags of tea and coffee, sure. uh, anything of value. And now we're moving to something that is just better, a better form of money where uh, a user say, I could send you money directly right now. And uh, I don't need a bank to do that. I could send you a cryptocurrency right now. And we don't need anybody to, to facilitate that. The actual network does that. Um, but that, yeah, that's where people get hung up. But, um, Let's, let's talk about Metaplex, and that's kind of where these transactions are happening. Um, sure. Initially, we don't want to even introduce the word cryptocurrency to this because 
like, like I just mentioned, this scares people. So initially, this will be just a direct cash pay environment, um, similar to you go on Amazon and you search for uh, surgeries near me, a knee surgery, complete knee surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you search for it, you find it. And just like Surgery Center of Oklahoma, I think they have a complete knee surgery for about $15,000, $16,000. Well, you can pay them directly. Um, you can set up payment plans with them, whether it's just a little bit down now and then more upon uh, the execution of the surgery or whatever that may look like. We're introducing new models of, of finding healthcare services and purchasing them. And underlying all this is blockchain technology. And it is cryptocurrencies, uh, new ways of just transferring value. And one really neat thing of Metaplex, and this is kind of the next evolution of what everybody thinks of cryptocurrencies now as, uh, everything up until this point, all these cryptocurrencies have been uh, what's called fungible tokens, meaning I could have five Bitcoin, I can give you five Bitcoin, you can exchange those out for another five Bitcoin, and it still has five Bitcoin. Um, but now there's these things called non-fungible tokens. Uh, it gives it gives us the ability to digitize a unique asset, um, tokenize a unique asset, such as a the title to your vehicle or the deed to your your land, your property, your house, right. or a uh, knee complete knee surgery. <laughs> so doctors can offer these up, kind of like a, a voucher. Um, sure, really yeah. a good example. But offer these up into a, a digital voucher. And people can purchase these directly. And the, like I said, the cool, the neat part of this is these things are programmable. So you can program terms and conditions, um, certain prices, uh, certain expiration dates on these actual tokens themselves. And we're calling them health service tokens. And, and you can um, sell those back to the marketplace. If you are a, a physician, you can sell your services. You can put your services up for sale on this marketplace and then you can have say large self-funded employers go in and purchase your services directly uh, and they can add them to a, a large a bulk purchase if they want to and pay everybody directly and without having insurance and a lot of other back office work facilitating these payments you can drop the price a whole lot more than it currently is so if you start looking at free market economics um, this this allows for that because it allows for buyers to go and find the services and products they want and transact directly with those people. Yeah. And so, and so I think, you know, the, from what little I understand about blockchains, essentially it's like a big, it's a public ledger that can be verified. And so by placing things in the blockchain, you just, you have a, it's, it's, you have a unique way to get into your, um, to access your bit of the blockchain, for instance, like your, your Bitcoin or whatever it is. Right. But that actually can, everyone can verify that you are truly the owner of it. And then what you're saying, when you say it's non-fungible, you're saying basically that you can use this for other things, record keeping than not just for money, which is like a dollar is a dollar to anybody. But as far as your boat, right, is your boat. And so, so this is something that other countries are looking at that have poor record keeping, that there's a way to, using a blockchain, you can have a better way of keeping track of who has property wherever. And it's a much less expensive means of doing that. So for your for your platform, this Metaplex, why do you decide to use the cryptocurrency versus just using dollars? Because I mean, I'm assuming most of your transactions are going to be based in the United States. I mean, primarily, I, mean, I imagine there are opportunities for Canadians and people from other countries to come in. But most people are in this in your venture are going to be U.S. based. So why use a different currency versus you know why use a blockchain versus a the dollar? What's the advantage of that? Well, initially on Metaplex, and I say initially, but for the the foreseeable future, uh, it will be services will be bought and sold in USD. So it will be in cash. Um, We have an option to also pay almost say if the bill is one hundred dollars, the the patient can pay eighty dollars in USD and twenty dollars worth in Medit. And by having the doctor accept that, we can also offer a incentive on top of that say like a 20% incentive of additional medit to the doctor. Uh, the doctor can do certain things with that medit. They can just turn around and resell it on exchange, just like uh, currencies are traded every single day, or they can convert that into an actual equity stake in citizen health. And with that comes a few different options. So it really just it creates new ways of uh, new business models of how to transact uh, services. Um, but going back to Humantive and, what we are doing with that, 
Uh, the the cryptocurrency we are um, we have developed is called Medit, M-E-D-I-T, and this it's not just a, a a currency we just invented out of thin air. It's actually generated by a user's activity. So you can look like um, let's just say Bitcoin. People say, well, Bitcoin is just minted by a computer. No, actually, Bitcoin it runs algorithms and it takes up it's cost about $5,000 in energy and electricity to actually mine a Bitcoin. Right. So there's something there. So we're kind of looking at the same thing as in terms of proof of health. We are tracking people's activity, almost like a calorie burnt is the equivalent to minting a medit. So there is inherent value there now um, when a user does mint a medit. So the idea is to start looking at these, these currencies, these new forms of money, as instruments to transact value and assign value to certain places that uh, value can never be assigned. Um, now, for one, if you look at insurance in general, uh, everything in the whole entire industry is built around money. If you want to get down to it. Money. Sure, sure. Um, and the cryptocurrencies, it allows us to have smart money, programmable money, uh, and program this money to go and do certain things based on certain things happening. Kind of like if this, then that. You know, if this doctor performs this surgery, then this money will get sent to these four or five different entities automatically for free or, you know, with minimal friction. So it's a new way of introducing uh, innovative ways to pay for services. And when you do that and you remove intermediaries, you start really dropping the price, dropping the amount of money it costs to actually transact these things. So we are introducing cryptocurrencies for, for that one reason. It's really drive down cost. Okay. Just said, so so I guess a one way to look at this is, you know, if you, I know we had a Blue Cross Blue Shield product here that um, had, a, I don't know if it was called Healthy Choice or something like that. You know, if you're, or the hospitals have incentive programs, if your weights, if your BMI is a certain point and your blood pressure is low and you're, you know, exercising or whatever, that they give you some sort of uh, financial credit, right? And so essentially you're saying the same thing, except yours is maybe even more specific or accurate, you're saying, we're going to make sure that someone takes 20,000 steps a day and they'll earn you know, a credit for this. And so that we can, we're making sure that you're getting rewarded and you're getting financially incentivized for taking care of yourself, right? Essentially is what you're oh, yeah. in the way mm-hmm. doing, that's right? Great. So that's kind of the same sort of thing. So, so it seems weird that you get money basically, right? If the method is essentially like a currency, you're getting money for doing the right thing, you know, but I guess that's, a, that's, no different than what it is the insurance companies might have their incentive offerings or your employer, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so by having this cryptocurrency, you're, you're making a, a more efficient market because you can have a, a very free exchange of, of um, currency, I guess, between, and between you can sell back in the market or things like that. As opposed, and so you get, you're monetizing a lot of activity, you're monetizing behavior that previously wasn't able, we're, we're not even able to do as through insurance, insurance companies as it, as it stands now. So for a person to, uh, they've got incentivized, they're incentivized to stay healthy. They're inse- so they are going to now select their services. So the, the, the barrier that you're going to be facing right now, it's obviously is getting people to participate in the system, right? And hit that critical mass of, you know, however many surgery uh, hospitals and surgery centers and pharmacies that are going to accept the medit, right? Because right. until they accept that, it's a pretty limited sort of platform. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned that people get, they get shares. So this is a publicly traded or is this a privately traded company with a medit? Because the met, having a medit means you have a share of this company, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me, let me back up. I mean, yeah, probably find some place where I lost. <laughs> uh, you kind of mentioned, hit on a, a chicken and egg problem. Uh, you, we have to have the the supply there for the sure. demand to find it valuable. Um, and you know, we're look, I'm still talking about MetaPlace because this is really the economic engine of what we're doing. Right, uh, it's marketplace. So we are starting small because yes, a lot of people say it sounds like you're trying to boil the ocean. Uh, yeah, eventually, yeah, we're going to throw some sticks of dynamite in there, but we are going to start <laughs> small. Uh, we are starting with direct primary care doctors, uh, and this is uh, a common problem that they all face. Is okay, you're you have your patients, they don't, some of them may have insurance or they might have really high deductibles, but what does a direct primary care doctor do when they need to refer their patients out to a specialist or to an imaging center? 
really there's no easy way to uh, send them over there and have them pay a cash based uh, cash based price um, that kind of fits under their their ethos. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing, we're allowing uh, DPC doctors to create their own referral networks. So they're kind of creating their own networks. Um, and forget the in-network, out-of-network insurance garbage, but now you can create these organic networks based on how you how you view or what the patient needs. So you might want to refer your patient to a cardiologist that uh, you know it wouldn't necessarily be in your network, but you know that this cardiologist is the best for uh, this particular patient's need. Well, you can go to this cardiologist and go ahead and have the the patient pay. Uh, directly for the service and that cardiologist would get paid automatically. It's just cutting insurance out of the equation. And by doing this, we're allowing the DPC docs to go out there and create their own networks. Um, And that's, I mean, that's low hanging fruit right now. That's a common problem that they need solved. So once we do that, we're going to be looking at, of course, the scaling out the DPC model and then going to surgery centers, um, going to their direct cash, you know, to direct surgery bundles and also to imaging centers. Uh, we already have a couple pilots scheduled for this where we are going to do exactly what we talked about, just uh, DPC doctors, imaging centers, and surgeries, uh, and connecting all those entities on a local scale, starting in Texas and Mississippi first, and then expanding out. Because we do know it's, there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts in this, but we are going to start uh, solving initial problems first and then letting that scale orga- organically. Sure. And... Uh, and healthcare essentially is local. I mean, I think you know people will travel for for healthcare, but if you can prove a proof, if you can get a proof of concept in a local area or small geographic region, you certainly can expand that and convince people that this is something that works, right? Oh yeah. And so and so your plan essentially is to use the direct primary care physicians who are, are uh, they're on the front, like you said, they're the front lines. They're the ones who are going to basically be advocating for this for this network and for this alternative payment method, and then they'll and so they're the ones who are going to sort of be out there finding services for their their patients, which is going to, of course, benefit them because they'll say, I can have, I can have easier ways for you to pay for things or, right? I mean, that's, yeah. okay. So that makes sense. So, so you're starting Mississippi where you are <laughs> in Texas. Uh, and, and what is your initial, you know, what's your initial launch date? Or um, I think you've, you've launched part of this or as from what I saw on the website, it's not clear to me exactly what's launched, but how much you know money do you need initial capital to get this thing going? Yeah, we have a, a lot of plans. Matter of fact, this is my 30-year plan. And when my son was born a couple of years ago, I, I just imagined what his life would be like in 30 years. And I realized that healthcare is going to be terrible if we don't do anything right <laughs> now. And, and I realized that we are stealing from that generation right now. Right. You know, it's, it's like nobody tries to take that into account. What's gonna, what we do today is what our future is going to be, our kids' future is going to be like 10, 20, 30 years out. So I made it a, a personal mission of mine to uh, use my talents and resources to, to try to rebuild this, try to make a better future for him. So like I said, this is a, a long-term journey for me. Um, but initially, we, we are launching Humantive uh, fairly sh- quickly here. Uh, probably in about two weeks, we'll have a, a beta um, testing period open um, where people can just test it out and go uh, kind of, do what I explained earlier, just to connect a Fitbit or a Apple Watch and then get paid to go walk. Uh, so that will be released uh, in beta in a couple of weeks. And then Metaplex, we will be testing out our pilot, starting out pilot uh, probably in October, November of this year, but more than likely we'll probably roll it out uh, Q1 of 2019 to start uh, having a publicly facing version of it. And let me see here. Then our health plans, I kind of hit on that a little bit. That will be later on in 2019, if not 2020, because kind of have to have Metaplex out there built before we can scale out the those plans we mentioned. Right. Um, but we are raising money now. Uh, I have been self-funding this for the past uh, up until now, and uh, we are raising a million uh, through a start engine uh, through a crowdfunding campaign on Start Engine, and we wanted to open it up to accredited and non-accredited investors, um, so everybody can have a, a piece in this. Um, but we are looking at having a round, uh, creating a preferred token uh, for just for physicians where they can actually own a stake in Metaplex where, you know, it's in, 
we're going to try to incentivize physicians to scale out the network. And by scaling this network out, they're actually get a, a dividend from the transaction fees of this network. So we're trying to build a, a new healthcare system for the doctors that so works for the doctors, not against the doctors. So uh, where was I go? Where was I going with that? Okay. Yeah. So medics, we have two cryptocurrencies. One is Medit, and that is the incentive token that, I've, that we've been discussing. And the other one is Medics. That is a equity share in citizen health we've tokenized. So you may have been hearing about the security token offerings coming online. Um, this is big. We're talking about like every security in the financial world will be tokenized in the next 10 years. I mean, NASDAQ, the CEO of NASDAQ has already said this, and they're already working, moving towards it. Uh, so that's the same thing we're doing. We're taking our equity of common shares, a share of common stock and tokenizing that and putting that up for sale. So that's currently what's going on with our, um, with our crowdfund right now. So with that, uh, it's pretty neat because now once you own this token, these security token exchanges like NASDAQ are coming online here in the next few months and then you can sell it on there. You can buy and sell equity in citizen health. So pretty neat concept. So to just stop you for a second, so when you say you're tokenizing, you're basically selling, it's just a share, right? So instead of having yeah. the paper thing that gets sent in your mail, you're having an, act, an electronic version of a token sure. that's on a, mm-hmm. on a, is that on a bl- the blockchain too? Is that? Yeah, it's on the okay. public right. theory blockchain. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, so that's the, there's so much terminology, you know, especially for, I, I don't, I don't often feel old, but <laughs> when it comes to blockchain cryptocurrency, I mean, I can kind of understand it, but I. I think it's so it I have to try and move it to an analog version, which is like, you know, paper, right? So yeah. so essentially, uh so essentially you you're selling shares of of the company and then the dividends come from the small transaction fee of just moving the medits around, right? Is that um, yeah, not necessarily moving the medits around, but when say like uh somebody purchases a surgery and it's fifteen thousand dollars, there there's gonna be oh, a okay. transaction fee and that gotcha. transaction fee is gonna be broken up and, and distributed back to the shareholders, the token holders. Sure. And uh, you can do a little bit more than just a piece of paper because now you have a token. Uh, it's almost like an API key, if you will. So we have a governance platform that we are planning on having votes on everything that Citizen Health does. So if we are moving in this direction and we have a, um, a question that needs to be answered, such as should we pay or should we set a price for this particular procedure, whatever that looks like, we're going to allow all the token holders to vote. So this is going to be a, a crowdsourced and crowd-driven company. Uh, we really want our shareholders and everybody that's participating in this network to have a say-so, to have a voice and a vote in the direction of what we do. Uh, we don't want to be one of those insurance companies up there that just does whatever they want to do and really don't care about the people who fund them. No, we want to work this together because I mean, you guys are out there working in the, the medical world every single day. You see the problems. Well, not too many people listen to you. I mean, yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. And we think that is entirely wrong. Uh, like healthcare, the whole entire industry should be built by the doctors and the patients because that's what we're building it for. Um, but it's, it's backwards right now. So we're trying to fix that. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's the idea with these tokens. It gives a, a whole lot more opportunity to help shape the direction of citizen health. So, okay. So it's just like you have more shareholder meetings, essentially is what you're saying. Um, I don't know where to go next, except to, so uh, if I'm a, I'm in based in Michigan, I'm an anesthesiologist, I'm a, so I'm a specialist. My wife's a pediatrician. Uh, we, there are a couple of direct primary care practices here in Grand Rapids, but for the most part, it's pretty much your traditional, you know, healthcare delivery, whether it's independent or with through a health system. So if I'm, uh, let's say I, well, I'm an anesthesiologist. So what advantage would there be for me to get involved in this, to to invest in this right now, I'm in, for one thing, I'm in Michigan, so I'm not in Mississippi or Texas, but, um, or for my wife, who's a pediatrician, is that something we just kind of wait until it kind of gets closer to where we are? What, how would you answer that question? Um, I'm sorry, I lost the internet connection there. You said, oh, sure. so, so my, so my question is to, it's for someone like me, I'm in, I'm a specialist as an anesthesiologist, uh, work in the traditional healthcare market, uh, with insurance payers. And I mean, there's some self-pay for some cosmetic stuff we do, but primarily we're, we're working in um, insurance-based payments, whether it's government payers or commercial payers. Same thing goes for my wife, um, she, who's a pediatrician. We're not direct primary care. I mean, is this something that you, like, for instance, could our, could our group become, 
get into this market if we wanted to, if there was some sort of surgery center that started using it? Is that oh yeah? That how we okay, so that's how, oh, yeah, how we get involved. Sure. Oh yeah, I mean this is completely open. Anybody can join it once we do launch. But like I said, we're just starting small so we can keep a handle on the actual physicians and the groups we're working with. Um, but the idea here is just to if you do have, uh, let's just say your wife, for instance, pediatrician. Well, mm-hmm. let me back up a little bit. So working inside a hospital network is going to be one of the last the last groups that <laughs> I'm we sure. Because <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now, there's plenty of opportunity for uh, this to be beneficial for, uh, for hospitals. Um, for one, just uh, reduces a lot of the administration cost. Um, just by cutting out people. I mean, you cut yeah, you sure. new technology. Um, but we are starting with your independent physicians first, your freestanding um, diagnostic facilities and surgery centers and working with them. Um, but moving forward, I do know that uh, I'm referencing one DPC doc here in, in Mississippi. Uh, he has already established relationships with the, the hospital systems around him to send his patients to them and he negotiated cash payments for those services. Okay. So it's about 20 services and about 20 different special uh, specialists. So he's already done this on paper where if he has a patient, he can send them to this predefined list with a predefined price on it. And the patient can pay him uh, directly and then he pays the hospital. So what we're doing, we're just uh, building software for that initially. Um, so if you can think of a situation in, in something that you might could fit in where uh, you can be that specialist that a DPC doc needs to refer their patients to. Uh, so that would be in a, in a way how that would be working. Um, now also give me, give me some feedback on the problems you face every single day and in your practice and what you do. And I'll try to maybe shed, shine some light on how this could help. Well, I mean, the, the problems we face are, um, the biggest thing is uh, is is dealing with um, the deductibles and whether and getting paid. <laughs> and so yeah. we actually don't have a significant, uh, a really tremendous problem in West Michigan. I think it's partly a regional thing, but we also have fairly good payers where we are. But you know, there there are other places in Michigan, not far outside, just just a slightly north of, of Grand Rapids. We move into the rural areas, and I'm sure this is not unique to Michigan. This is probably most areas where. You have a large um, government payer system, basically Medicaid, and the payment is is uh, significantly less. I mean, I think you know for anesthesia and probably many specialists, it's about ten percent to what the commercials pay. And so you get to a point where you just can't take you either a can't stay in practice because you can't you know hire enough people to do the billing because you still are expected to do the same sort of billing for for Medicaid or government payer that you are for commercial payers. Uh, it doesn't get any less, and so you have to be able to somehow cover that overhead. Uh, or, or you just don't see as many and you just say, I'm just closed to Medicaid. Only, you know, 6% of my patients can be Medicaid, which means you have a bunch of people running around trying to find a physician. And it's, and if you're in the areas, in the rural areas, you just don't have access to those people. And so you're, you're forced to drive three hours to a large metropolitan area where they'll actually accept Medicaid. Um, so that's the, I mean, those, those are the big problems we have. I mean, the biggest problem we have probably is that we don't have as a, as a, contracted service of the anesthesias, we don't have our own patient population. And so, and we're at the, you know, we're at the whims of, of whether people come in and to the surgery center where we happen to be covering for, for the anesthesia. And so we don't really have a lot of direct contact to any, to patients. So we're kind of a weird situation. I mean, we're sort of like a radiologist who doesn't own the imaging center, right? So we just are the ones who read the films, but we're totally dependent on whatever, you know, Whatever, whoever gets sent to that imaging center. My wife is obviously different that she's a pediatrician. Uh, so she has her own patient population and their big problem is that they have, they deal with, they have costs continue to rise for them uh, without increased reimbursement. And they have to go through more hoops every time, whether it's prior authorizations where the insurance companies deny, you know, the medication choice they made or a, a test they want to run. And they have to just have someone, they have to hire extra people to get on the phone and get something that's going to be approved anyway um, or you have, well, I mean, that's their big problem. I think really that, and, and then that these sort of, um, large population, uh, I guess you'd say, um, health, health metrics, you know, how many people are get well child checks and how many people get vaccinated and how many kids are 
tested for this and the other thing. And if if you reach, reach those levels, you get full reimbursement. If you don't, you get less. And so you have to have someone keeping track of those sorts of things. And so there are lots of things they're doing that are not in any way helpful to any particular patient in their, their practice. So it just drives up their overhead, essentially. And it just makes it tougher to practice, you know, with with reimbursements that have not gone up for them, um, you did, they're just doing, they're running through more, you know, running through more hoops than they were there were previously. So if you had some sort of thing where, again, pretty much you're moving, removing that third-party payer system, that alone would sort of fix a lot of these problems where now you talk to the patient, this is going to cost you $100 for this test. Is it worth it? Rather than saying, I'm going to order this test and then you have to, have the insurance company give you permission and you have to have someone, you're paying someone to be on the phone with them to get, to do something that, the patient you would have agreed to do for that price anyway. Right. That's exactly what we're trying to fix. <laughs> right. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, all those things would be wonderful to get rid of them. I mean, I think a lot of physicians are worried that patients wouldn't um, pay attention to these things, but I think it's because we have a system where they're kind of encouraged not to pay attention to these sorts of things, right? You just walk in, you, and you assume, you assume all, yeah, right. It's a moral hazard, right? You assume all this stuff is taken care of. You assume the person taking care of you is the best they could be. You assume your insurance company is looking out for you or whoever's paying for it. You make a lot of assumptions about things and you don't really see all the other stuff that's going on. Now, I mean, in some ways that's the same in any market, right? I don't know all the different transportation and sort of the, all this warehousing of products and stuff when I walk into the store to buy something, but I have, but I am, a, I totally understand the price. I understand the quality of the product and purchasing. And I talk to the person there, make recommendations for what I should purchase. And so there's, I mean, that's, that is totally not really part of medicine. We try and do that as best we can, but when you remove price from it, it distorts things so much from both ends, right? And so you look, you lack that recognition of scarcity and, and uh, when you lack scarcity, then people don't act accordingly and, and it causes all kinds of distortions, which we're all very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And it causes that price to go up and up and up. And there, there's no end in sight. I mean, yeah. we all know the medical loss ratio, insurance companies, they they don't care how much health care costs because right. 15% of a larger number is more profit for them. It, it's weird, right? And I've and only the last couple of weeks has a sort of when I've talked to I talked to Dr. Smith from Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which you mentioned, uh, and I've spoken to a couple other people, and it it was I've always thought the insurance companies should be at odds with the hospitals in the sense of trying to drive down costs, and they're not. I mean, they sort of are, but for the most part, they really don't care, like you said, as long as there's not, since there are so few people, competitors in the market, they're trying to drive down the price. They don't really have an incentive to keep the price down. And so it makes it, you get these charges, which are totally, um, they're completely different than what actually the prices that are paid. It's sort of like when you walk in the hotel and you see a rack rate on the you know door says three hundred dollars. Like whoa, I got this hotel for seventy five bucks. Well, no one ever pays three hundred dollars for the hotel room, but that's what they have for. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why they have those rates on the doors, but it's the same sort of thing, right? I yeah. think. So, so if someone wants to get involved in this right now, and you don't, so first of all, you're in Texas or Mississippi, you probably seek out someone who's a direct primary care physician because they're probably at the forefront. Is mm-hmm. that is that how you'd first get involved? If you're a patient, you're looking for this. If, if you're an or if you're, as a physician. Well, first of all, like the the actual purchasers of of health care that we're focusing on first is going to be the self funded employers, because you okay. get about 150 million Americans. They do get their health insurance, or their health or their health care is paid for by their employer. Um, so these guys, they're the easiest to work with in terms of going this this cash pay or direct pay price. Because they want to cut out insurance just as much as anybody else. They don't like dealing with it. It's extra cost. They can lower the the amount of money that their employees have to contribute every single month and they could uh, have a higher paycheck. So we're looking at self-funded employers first. I'm working with, uh, they're trying to get them a DPC, a direct primary care doctor established near them. And also these direct contracts with the imaging centers, with the surgery centers, um, and with anybody else that wants to go this just direct payment um, route. So we are looking at the self-funded employers first, but then the patients, You're typically it's going to be the patients that have a high deductible and, and haven't met it yet and they need to shop around. They need to yeah. be cost-conscious consumers. And it's going to be, you know, just I know I mentioned Amazon for healthcare. That's basically what it's going to be like. You can go and you can search for certain prices, certain things that you deem valuable. It might be gender, it might be you know religious preference, something like that, whatever you do want to uh, 
whatever type of physician that you want to find, uh, you can search for them. And I kind of mentioned, or uh, I hit on eHarmony's compatibility ratings, <laughs> patient and physician compatibility. I mean, you got to think about it. A lot of times people have a specific genetic uh, uh, problem or something that's unique to them. And this particular physician has never seen this before. Well, why be limited to just that in-network physician when now you can find the best possible physician for your, your problem. Um, and it's not limited to just where you're at, like lo location wise, we, we are going to open up a lot of a virtual style of, of treatment as well. Uh, but yeah, just to get back to your, your question, I would say, yeah, I would go the, the DPC, the direct primary care physicians, they're the ones that would be leading uh, the growth with Metaplex because we are trying to, we're riding that wave. We do see it growing and I've, oh, yeah. I've been watching DPC since 2012 and I absolutely love it. I said, this is, I mean, it, this could be the answer. This direct pay and subscription model to healthcare could be the answer. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's where we're looking at first. Yeah. I don't think there's any question that direct primary care is going is, is on the precipice for an explosion. And I, I've, and I know this because I've, I've seen the residents, the medical students now, and they're talking about it. And I think once you have people coming out of training programs, talking about it and thinking that that's the way they wanted to practice medicine, I think that's where you start seeing the really the the sea change in uh, in how people perceive it, and that was you know I was talking to med students about this two years ago, and they they you know look like deer you know the headlights in, and now it's totally different. I mean, there a lot of them are familiar with that, especially ones who are interested in primary care. So I I think there are going to be a lot of people who are going to start going into this in the next couple of years, and the hospital systems who are primarily ones employing are going to really struggle to, to get the the um, the ones who are really good to come to their without giving giant, you know, loan or forgiveness. It'll be an interesting battle to see how that plays out. But I think there's going to be a lot of people moving to direct primary care. So, um, you know, you'll have this way of finding the physician that you get along with. So the ones, you know, like the long walks on the beach or whatever uh, with the eHarmony. Uh, what is, um, if you're a, if you're a physician, I mean, I'm in Michigan, so obviously I don't have access to this and I'm and not probably going to for a while. Are you opening this up and just for people who are interested in this pr product and think, well, at some point, this is going to be something that I want I want to get involved in, but I can't right now because I'm not geographically in the right spot. Is this something that people can invest in right now if they want to? And if so, you know, how much you, what is the investment, initial investment for? Um, yeah, the initial investment is really just to finish development this, developing this out. Um, anybody can invest in this right now, um, whether it's going to be beneficial for them in the next six months. Uh, it, I mean, it's going to be beneficial because we are building a framework to uh, to build a new healthcare system on. So eventually, it will make it to Michigan, and it eventually, hopefully, it will make its way all across the world. We've had a lot of interest from other countries, believe it or not, the ones that have no health insurance. Oh, sure, but, yeah. Uh, India, uh, Botswana. Let me see, Tan Tanzania. There's a, there's a lot of countries that have shown interest in this uh, this Metaplex, this marketplace. Um, but anybody can invest now. Uh, we are building, uh, we are mainly just developing software development. That's where all this money is going. Uh, and we will be hitting the road. <laughs> I guess you'd call it the road show. Um, just going to conferences, spreading the, spreading the word, spreading the mission, talking with other uh, physicians out there. We were just at Hint Health, uh, their summit in San Francisco about a month ago uh, and talked to a lot of, uh, a lot of direct primary care doctors. That's what that was about. So yeah, we'll be, um, just going across the country, spreading the word, um, getting physicians signed up, uh, signed up to, to test this out. Of course, we'll need you need that that supply side. You need the physicians on board first before it's it's actually valuable to sure. the patients to the employers. So we're starting to grow it out um, with with anybody that wants to add their services. You know, for instance, I didn't I didn't explain, but in your situation, um, for instance, say like a self funded employer, if they want to contract with the surgery center and um, go ahead and purchase maybe five knee surgeries ahead of time. Um, they can pay that surgery center uh, up front to receive a discount in bulk, or they can pay maybe 10% down now, another 20% in the next six months. And then when the surgeries actually happen, uh, they can pay the remaining, uh, remaining amount. And with these health service tokens and using blockchain technology, that payment, let's just say it's a $100,000 payment, uh, it can immediately be sent to the surgery center and it can immediately be paid or uh, say 20% of that will go directly to you or to your anesthesia group. Gotcha. The other 20% can go wherever it needs to go. And this happens automatically. So people 
get paid as soon as a service happens. There's none of this reimbursement, this 120 day wait to get your money, yeah. uh, none of that headache. I, we're just trying to simplify the process as much as possible. So in that situation, you don't have to worry about the haggling back and forth, talking about submitting a super high claim just so you can get paid 20% of that. Right, right, uh, yeah. So I just cut the chase. This is what I want. Just pay me now. So that's, that's what we're doing with that. So if you look at it from that style of, of purchasing, which you do have self-funded employers that spend a lot, uh, it really streamlines the process when you have um, surgeries and multiple people working together on a particular ser- uh, service, such as a surgery. Um, but yeah, anybody can be involved now. We're, this is a open source project. Uh, it is open for, we welcome physicians to come and join and give us feedback, give us insight, tell us what we're doing wrong and tell us what we need to do. Uh, we do have a handful of physicians on our advisory board. So any physician that wants to uh, join forces to, to help us build this together, then come on. Yeah, let's, let's uh, get on this rocket ship and take off. Um, yeah. And how much are you how much are you looking to raise right now in this initial stage? We're, we're raising a million, and that's going to we have that will be for six full time people. We have I have a hand about ten people right now working on this, about six full time. So we can actually start taking a salary now, uh, and then the remaining of that will be spent on development, software development. It will be we will launch Metaplex and Humantive, um, get our MVP out there. It's going to be a little more than MVP, but it's going to be a solid product to get out there. And then really, I don't know if we need to raise any more um, because if we do have the type of volume that we already see out there in terms of just the transaction volume, because I mean, there's a lot spent on healthcare. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we could start generating revenue um, fairly quickly. And there's some other methods of generating revenue I didn't mention with Humanta in, ter- in terms of employer benefits, um, uh, kind of wellness initiatives, uh, working with uh, an employer benefit consultant, try to get something going with an employer there. Um, but there's ways of generating revenue fairly quickly with this. But I will say that we're looking at selling our token, um, this medics token, on a security token exchange. So kind of like an IPO, this would be a security token offering. Um, so we are looking at some of these exchanges that are coming online here in the next uh, six months or so. And that would be uh, essentially like an IPO. We would issue our own tokens on there up for sale, and then the market would buy them and price them accordingly. So that would be our second round of funding if we do pursue to do that or choose to pursue that. Um, about 90% sure we're going to do that. Sure. So just kind of hitting that critical mass at some point is sort of the, I mean, guess you proof of concept. And then once you have that, then you can say, look, it works here in Texas and Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And now you can go. And then you can just expand as far as people are interested, right? I mean, that's kind of what you said. It just, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's an organic sort of growth. Oh, yeah. I would love to work with Medicaid, um, with our Medicaid departments. Because you, I mean, here in Mississippi, we have, we are the sickest, uh, I say sickest state. We, we're either first or last on every list, and it's not the good list. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I would love to work with our state Medicaid department. And I've had two low-level conversations about that. Um, in terms of coming in and doing some direct contracting directly with, say, surgeries and, and specific situations. Uh, that could be, that is an avenue where we're going to pursue. And I do see an opportunity. They save, save states a whole lot of money um, because it's uh, used inefficiently. And we yeah. all know that. Well, I know Indiana looked into that and they actually experimented in some sellable. Uh, always a problem with that, of course, is getting. Um, approval from the federal government and waivers and things like that. So it's makes it all very complicated and, and uh, slower, slower innovation, obviously <laughs> through government products than you get outside the market. Well, um, if people want to find out more, I, where would you direct them? I would go to citizenhealth.io. That's our website. And uh, we have a contact form, kind of a join the movement form at the bottom of the page. Um, follow us on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. We're, we're on a lot of social media platforms. And uh, help us spread the word. Um, join in conversation. Um, somebody can reach out to me directly uh, at Brennan at citizenhealth.io if you want to. And then uh, let's just, just brainstorm. I like to hear good ideas. And we've been talking with a lot of physicians across the country over the past couple months uh, that have just been learning about this, wanting to know more. And you gain so much insight just talking, talking about problems. What do you fa- like? What are the problems you face every single day? Right. And, uh, learning more about that is going to be valuable moving forward. So anybody that does want to help out, uh, we welcome you. 
Yeah, that's great. And um, all this will be on the show notes page at theparadox.com slash 014. Thanks so much. Uh, best of luck to um, Brennan, to your venture. I, it, it's, uh, it makes a lot more sense to me now, although it's still pretty complicated, a lot of moving parts, but I can see how you can, you can kind of piece it together and it will uh, could become something pretty, pretty special. Oh, yeah. That's the plan. <laughs> well, right. I appreciate you having me on, Dr. Larson, and it was a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what the doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash The Paradox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com.